Hello, everybody. I'm going to try working from over here since I actually have a wireless mic again. That's helpful. Um, but I'm going to try working over here so that I'm not uh, in your way watching these wonderful PowerPoint shows that I spend half my week on. Um, and uh, please give me encouragement if you like them. And if you don't, I will be happy to stop doing them. Um, I, I spend as much time on the PowerPoint as I do on the message, which is a lot. Anyway, I'm Randy. Glad to be with you. Glad to do it. It's fun. I do enjoy it or I wouldn't be doing it, right? Um, anyway, last week we uh, started a, a new series uh, called Relational Fitness. And uh, we touched on the fact that um, you know, we've got a lot of health issues that we consider in our society, a lot of people jogging and running around. And look, you get to see half my show already. Um, anyway, um, anyway, there's just a lot of emphasis and focus on physical health. But we have some challenges in our world. It's really a hard thing these days in the area of relationships, whether we're talking about husbands and wives parents and their kids, uh, kids on the playground, teenagers in the streets, students and faculty, employers and employees, uh, people in the police, governments and terrorists, whatever area it is, people are experiencing a lot of pain and brokenness. And we are losing the ability to have healthy relationships. So we touched on that last week. Secondly, we also saw that God sees relationships as very important. In fact, Jesus in the Great Commandments and the Great Commission gave us a relational purpose in life. The reason we exist is to love God and to love others. I mean, we were talking about, uh, Clara was highlighting that this week um, individuals were experiencing some of the heart and compassion of God uh, for others. The fact that during that song we had the opportunity to uh, experience God wanting, having a heart and compassion for us and us for Him. We exist for relational purpose. I mean, uh, Melissa highlighting, you know, the world moves like mad. And there is a lot that we end up doing every week that... You know, whether it be the drive time, whether it be sometimes the, the work that we're doing, whatever, you know, fixing the meals. I mean, it feels like so much stuff and time goes to outside of relationship. I mean, it's, it feels like, you know, we've got a, the whole world runs around and then maybe if we have enough time, we have relationship. But the reason we exist is relationship with God and others. And then lastly, last week, we noted that the nature of God is love. And that the very reason that God created humankind was to welcome us into that community of love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he created us to love us as well as to invite us to love him and to love others as Jesus clearly lived and taught. But I think we're all well aware there's a pretty big problem with fulfilling this relational purpose. And that is that we live in a broken world with sinful people, all of them, but then there's all of us, and we too are broken and sinful people. 
But God understood that, and he understood what occurred in the garden, that rebellion that took charge and control and bringing us into a slavery. And so God, not wanting to miss out on the very reason that he created us, chose to love humankind by saving and redeeming us from slavery to self, sin, and Satan and the ultimate master death. God the Son set aside his glory, set aside his powers of deity. He humbled himself, being born of a virgin, becoming a human himself, so that he could show us the ultimate love, service, and blessing to God, the Father, and humankind by laying down his life, paying the penalty for every sin ever committed, breaking the right and power of Satan and death to control and torment us. So that as before Adam and Eve's rebellion in the garden, we are again invited to be participants in that community of love. Loving, serving, and blessing God, and loving and serving and blessing others. But even though we have been forgiven, have God living in us to help us, it's still hard to love others as he would have us to do. So we're talking about relational fitness for the next few months. And I hope that um, this can prove helpful to all of us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have so uh, abundantly, super abundantly provided the means by which that we could have new life. Which means that the old would be gone And truly, we would be brand new. And so we welcome the manifestation of that newness of life. Not only that we would someday uh, experience eternal life in heaven with you, but as Jesus said, that we might experience life with you now. A superabundant life of reconciled and restored relationship with you and others. Father, I just welcome you to open your word today. Open our hearts to consider the truth of these principles and that beyond uh, the idea of hearing some good ideas, would that we would be transformed, that we would be Christ, that your love would flow through us to those around us. Give us ears to hear, O God, in Jesus' name. Susie's dad, Greg, was a wonderful provider. He was a hardworking man who left for work before the family got up and often returned home after the family had had dinner or sometimes even after Susie was in bed. In elementary school, Susie began taking violin classes and playing in the school orchestra. Within a couple of years, it was clear that Susie was very gifted musically. In the fifth grade, she was first invited to play in an all-city elementary orchestra and then the following year with the all-state middle school orchestra. Greg was not able to attend those performances because of work, but he assured Susie of how proud he was of her. In ninth grade, Susie's grades began to go down. She began missing her violin lessons, choosing to spend more and more time with her friends. When Susie began to stay out later and later on Friday and Saturday nights, her parents became worried and then distraught. 
One Saturday, Greg and his wife sat down to talk with Susie about what was happening. And as you can imagine, Susie was very defensive and argumentative. And when she was asked about her violin lessons and her practicing, she said they were a waste of time. When Greg attempted to assure her that they were not a waste of time, Susie glared at him and said, they must be a waste of time because you never come to my performances. Greg was stunned. He didn't even know what to say. Greg and his wife had become worried about their daughter's escalating negative behavior when at the bottom of her feelings she was hurt, feeling unloved, rejected, and alone. Change the names, the settings, the actions, and you can describe countless stories of relational pain. Our tendency and the tendency of most is to confront the negative behavior of those around us, focusing on people's fallenness, never realizing or considering that at the bottom of most people's negative behavior, they're hurt and alone. It's very interesting to look at the life of Jesus and see how he addressed the fallenness of others. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus ignore people's sin? No, he was, he was very concerned about people's sin. He often addressed people's sins. And because of their encounter with him, lives were changed. Uh, people's lives were saved. We know that Jesus pointed out the sin of the woman at the well. Jesus identified that the man she lived with was not her husband. Jesus also acknowledged the sin of the woman caught in adultery. He commanded her to go and sin no more. And with Zacchaeus, the Jewish tax collector, Jesus did not let Zacchaeus' thievery and embezzlement go without notice. Because of his encounter with Jesus, however, Zacchaeus made restitution for all he had done wrong and became a follower of Jesus. But it's really important to notice that Jesus did not criticize, lecture, or judge any of these individuals concerning their sin. He did not try to use condemnation chastisement or shame to coerce people to become his followers. Instead, Jesus addressed these people's sins only within the context of ministering first to their relational needs. To the woman at the well, Jesus offered friendship and acceptance before he brought up her sin. To the woman caught in adultery, Jesus provided protection, security, and comfort in the midst of her accusers and the threat of death before he commanded her to change her behavior. To Zacchaeus, Jesus presented an opportunity for loving fellowship, extending acceptance and welcome before any discussion of sin and restitution. In fact, the story doesn't even suggest Jesus brought it up. But the end result was the sin is dealt with. The order of how Jesus approached these individuals is critical. It's critical for the impact on the lives of each one of them. Jesus first ministered to people's aloneness in order to provide a relational context for addressing their fallenness. When I was uh, 10 years old in 1967, smoking cigarettes was a pretty common thing. My mom was a smoker and all three of my older brothers smoked. When a friend suggested that we steal some of my mom's cigarettes and smoke them, 
That seemed like a pretty exciting idea at age 10. When my mom's cigarettes were not as readily available to be stolen a week or so later, wonder why, my friend and I attempted to buy some cigarettes from a vending machine at a gas station that was down the street. It was a shell station, interestingly enough. Woohoo. That worked once, but then we seemed to be watched every time. I mean, 10-year-olds. I mean, give me a break. This little kid walks in and uses the cigarette vending machine like, whoo, yeah, I put on a hat and like, I look 20, right? It's amazing what we do. So after uh, smoking in our fort for a few weeks, uh, my friend suggested that we steal some cigarettes from the small little, uh, we called them back when I was growing up, liquor stores near the house. They sold all kinds. They're like all the little stores today, convenience stores, but little. You know, an owner only inside the store. Well, anyway, so we planned to go in there, and and, um, what we were going to do was uh, ask the owner to get something that could only be purchased out of the back, and when he was gone, then we'd, you know, steal the cigarettes that were there. But somehow, through the back of his head, there were no surveillance systems, we were caught. And the shop owner knew my friend's mom and called her on the phone. And my friend's mom said through the shop owner, get the you-know-what over here. So while I was walking home, I was confident that um, my friend's mom was going to call my mom. My mom worked. Um, So I made a decision to call her before my friend's mom called her thought that somehow that might help a little bit. (laughs) So when I got home, I called my mom, and I told her that I and my friend had been caught stealing cigarettes and that I had been smoking for a few weeks. I remember her being very quiet for a while, and then she said something like, you know, it's been a couple of years, but something like that she was glad that I had called and that she was sad that I had started smoking. And then she told me she didn't want me to ever smoke again. She didn't yell. She didn't even punish me. I'm not sure if she even told my dad. We never talked about it again, nor did I ever smoke again. Had I been doing something wrong? Yes. Stealing, lying, deceiving, smoking at age 10, which was and still is illegal for you youngsters out there. And it is amazing how many eyes these days with video surveillance can see you. But what I experienced first from my mom was love and acceptance. One of the biggest challenges that we face with loving others is, of course, their fallenness. But before we can appropriately confront another's fallenness, we need, like Jesus, to first address their relational needs. Sometimes it can be very helpful to ask questions. I was uh, driving this week down uh, near Woodlawn and I-10 and Frederick, Fredericksburg where it comes in and stuff. And gentleman there that uh, was begging for you know, handouts. Very young, strapping young guy, long ponytail, looked good. In my mind, I thought, go get a job. I mean, give me a break. He's in his 20s. I'm 50, right? I got lung, half a lung that doesn't work, you know, and other kinds of stuff. 
that's my that was my response to this guy. Felt like rolling down my window and telling him that, but I didn't because I thought maybe you know do something to me. <laughs> and as I was preparing this message, I just thought, there it is, isn't it? There we are, foc- focusing on people's fallenness rather than wondering. I wonder what's brought him to this point. Talked to Priscilla about it, and she said, you know, I mean, maybe he, maybe he can't work. Maybe he has epilepsy. Maybe there's other issues in his life. Asking questions before we just jump down everybody's throat and then try and climb out. Both my parents worked. When I came home from school, there wasn't anyone there. I don't know when it changed, but my memory of my teenage years is that my mom spent a lot of time with me, playing cards, eating out, staying up late on Friday night, watching Man from Uncle and Mission Impossible, which was way cool when you're 10 and 11 and 12. And I think, in fact, I know that that started about that time. Never put, in fact, I'm just now putting that together. And the reason I know that is because um, as children, we were not allowed to drink tea. Uh, my mom was English, and she would do the English tea kind of thing occasionally. And I remember being allowed to have tea. I was 10 and watching Mission Impossible and Uncle, Mad from Uncle. So what I'm putting together is that, m- that my mom was able to understand and identify this need for attention and conversation. My mom was an awesome listener. My memory is that she was always there when I was going through difficult times. Ministering acceptance and removing a person's aloneness does not mean that we condone sin. Rather, it means that we simply look deeper in order to see first people's hurts and needs. Jesus tells us that God has given the Holy Spirit the task of conviction of sin. And he does so in order to keep us and to bring us into fellowship with him and other people. And I think it makes a lot more sense for us to minister to people's aloneness than to try and be the Holy Spirit. I think he can probably do that job a whole lot better than we can. It's his job to point out people's sin, not ours. Additionally, we're not going to be able to see the needs of others if we're preoccupied with judging their deeds. It's God's intention for us to be people of love and compassion, partnering with him and ministering to people's needs and aloneness rather than simply reacting to their behaviors and their sins. Let's look at this diagram for a minute. You do have a handout, you should have a handout in your program that has these notes. And later, uh, we're going to have an exercise like I often am doing these days. And so you're going to need to have those out as well as a pen. So you might want to, maybe if you grab your pen and that paper, you can fill in the little arrows that I'm going to give you here because they're not on your paper, I think. Did I not even put the diagram? Oh, my goodness, I didn't even put the diagram on there. But there's space to write it on, so if you want to do this. Anyway, our normal reaction is to focus on one another's fallenness. That, that's, that's the norm. That's what we do first. You know, It isn't until later on, you go, oh, well, maybe, maybe they're hurting or something, right? like me and the guy downtown. Listen to Jesus' words out of the message translation. This is so awesome. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. 
Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? That's the old uh, stick and sharp stick in the eye passage. Apostle Paul said it this way, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Stop it, he says. Our job is not to focus on one another's fallenness. Our job is not to fix people. Our job is to love. Our job is to minister to their needs and their aloneness. We do have a responsibility for dealing with our own sinfulness, but we do that not by self-condemnation, as sometimes we can do, but in rather inviting and allowing God to deal with our sinfulness through forgiveness, which accomplishes cleansing and healing, as well as sanctification, which is life transformation. So we have to take responsibility for our own fallenness, but we do that simply by inviting God to deal with our fallenness. Does that make sense? So we're not excluded from this equation here. It does need to be dealt with. But that's not our job for one another. God's concern for our sin is very closely tied to his concern for our aloneness. Because sin acts to separate us from him and from others around us. Right? When somebody hurts you, what do you want to do? You either want to strike them back. That's a pretty normal thing. And you don't tend to get along all that well after that kind of a situation. It's called a fight. Or you withdraw, which also doesn't work very well for connected relationship. That's the human thing. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, give them the other one. What's up with that? Don't strike them back and don't withdraw. Stay engaged. The good news of the New Testament is that relationships with God and others is possible because of Jesus paying the penalty for our sin on the cross. Sin is what keeps us alone. And God has provided relationships to remove our aloneness. God in his love and wisdom has made provision for both our fallenness and our aloneness. Our job then, in relating to one another with and through the power of the Holy Spirit, is to remove one another's aloneness. 1 Thessalonians 5:11 through 15, a couple of words I've modified to orient the understanding that was in the Greek text. Therefore, come alongside and help one another. It's the paraclete. It's the same word that's spoken of the Holy Spirit being, one who comes alongside to help. It's not translated that way, but that's the word, and I felt it helpful. Therefore, come alongside and help one another, building up one another. None of you are to repair, repay evil for evil, but always to seek to do good to one another and to all people. Friends, that is the Bible. That is the command of the Apostle Paul echoing the very commands of Jesus. That's our job. Now what about when 
Somebody hurts us. What about when somebody's doing something wrong? Pray. Welcome the Holy Spirit. That's what my wife did, has continued to do through all of our marriage. And I've changed. Not always as a direct result of her conversation with me, but I believe, and she would say as well, her conversation with God. Our job is to come alongside and help one another, building up one another, helping to, to put in place those things needed for health and wholeness in our relationship with God and others. Just as God is concerned about our aloneness, we need to become concerned about the others, aloneness of others. How many of you ready to do that? That's the lesson for the week. This is not an easy thing. It sounds wonderful. And for many of you here, this is an echo. This is an echo. It's the great commandment and the great commission. Just talked about in another kind of way. Uh, many of you would know that last September, I'm speaking of my mother, that she passed away. She had been living with us for almost four years and had a, uh, an accident in the, in the hospital, actually, and uh, was gone. And uh, she was not uh, a rich woman, but she did have a couple of investment accounts. And um, it was her intention that uh, her five children and 19 or so grandkids and a couple of cats and a couple of friends would uh, each receive some portions of that which she left behind. And I was uh, named in those documents as the trustee, and as a result, I've been working on um, the legal elements of her estate ever since then. Now, as you can probably imagine, a few of the family members are pretty interested to get their share of the inheritance as soon as possible. In fact, like last October, you know, I mean, she's gone, let's get the money. And uh, a few months ago, I got an email from one of those who's named in the will uh, that real honestly uh, was very unkind and very unfair, as I saw it. I even let my wife read it, and she agreed. Um, but I understood and knew about the circumstances in that person's life, and they are going through a tremendous amount of pressure and were at that time. And I was able to look past their hurtful words to the hurt and aloneness that they were feeling. So, good job, Randy. Pat me on the back. Move to go and collect $200. But let's not cash the money too fast. A couple of weeks ago, I got another what um, is probably way too limited to say unkind and unfair from a different family member, and I lost it that time. Not to them, not in an email, no response or retaliation, but inside I was fuming. Uh, it might have been the second or third maddest I've ever been in my life. I, I just felt so um, unkindly treated and unfairly spoken of. But I didn't retaliate. But I did fall, focus on their fallenness rather than their needs. Go to jail. Go directly to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Okay. This is not an easy thing. It is only possible. It is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is God's love that needs to be expressed to others. Not ours. We don't have much. The only love we have is from Him. 
And some of us have a little bit more of his and a little bit less of it. But we all can have all of it. All that God, uh, all that we need, God has provided for us already. I think it's First Peter and Second Peter, just think, probably Second. Just an incredible passage speaking about God's provision for us, for everything we need for life and godliness. But it's going to take some work. It's going to take being like Jesus, laying our lives down for others. It's going to take dying. I'd like to lead us in a, a final um, exercise, a little different than some other ones I've done. If you take out your paper, I think it'll be helpful for you to use that. On the back side, it uh, says encountering God's word. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 15:7, Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to recall a time, to think about if there's been a time when someone looked beyond your faults and saw your needs. When was it perhaps that you received acceptance in spite of your behavior? When did someone perhaps look past your fallenness and see the aloneness of your heart? And at the same time, perhaps to be able to recall what it felt like when that happened. Would you take a minute and do that right now? Use your handout, if you would. Just pause for a minute and reflect. When was the time when you've experienced what we've been talking about. Someone expressed that to you. I'd like you to, to get something down because we're going to, in a moment, we're going to share that with somebody near us. So if you would, try and come up with one of those. Would you take a minute now and uh, share with somebody near you uh, a time when you experienced um, what we've just talked about and, if you can, what you uh, felt like? And one last thing.
Can you go to the next slide, Marissa, for me? Um, I'd like you, if you could, after the person has spoken, there should be one more down arrow, Marissa, thank you. Um, after listening to the person's story, would you give them an accepting response? This is a part of the process that I'm going to help us learn about relative to uh, extending care to others. And what a um, accepting response might sound like could be as simple as, you know, that must have been a really hard time. I'm grateful that you received that acceptance. Or I'm sad that you experienced those difficult things, but I'm happy that God helped that person to show you their acceptance. So in relationship to the story I told you about my mom extending to me um, acceptance and care and love prior to uh, the words go and sin no more, essentially, I don't want you ever to smoke again, she extended care. And what it might sound like, to give you an example, if you were going to respond to me, you might say something like, wow, Randy, that was, that was quite an instance. That is really cool that your mom was so kind towards you. Man, you could have really gotten messed up, but she loved you. Just some kind of response, some type of caring response. Incorporate that into your story. All right, I've got a lead. One more last lead for you. We're going to be doing this kind of stuff. Um, so come prepared to share. This is this is not just a listening time. That's there's no point in all that. Some of you are not going to be able to recall a time. There is still an appropriate accepting response. Anybody imagine what that might sound like? I'm really sad that you can't think of a time that you've experienced somebody extending care to you. I came up with an instance where I was trying to recollect an instance, and I bumped into one from college that was devastating to me where I did not receive somebody. I got the opposite. So maybe if you don't have a positive one to share, maybe a negative one came to heart, and then again, there can be that accepting. Share with somebody near you. If you're sitting alone, get with somebody, please. We are a relationship-oriented church connecting people with God, one another, and their community. A relationship-based church. That's what we're all about. Do it. Go.
Okay. I hope that was helpful. How many of you could not think of a positive time when you experienced someone extending to you uh, care and acceptance first before addressing your fallenness? How many of you could not think of one? Okay. Not as many. Good. Not as There's a few little hands and fingers up, but good. Well, I'm glad that, that more of you were able to identify that. I've got one more exercise for you. I've got a homework assignment. We're not going to do it here, but I've got homework. I'm uh, becoming more and more a teacher, I think, I guess. Do what? Do what? Grumble. It says, no, there's scripture that says you can't grumble. That's not legal. Okay. I want you to take a moment and think about those who are closest to you. Your family, you know, good friends, those you work closely with at work. And I want you to invite and ask the Holy Spirit, have there been any times recently where you have focused on their fallenness rather than focusing on their needs and aloneness? You know, maybe once in the last couple of years, you know, the Holy Spirit can bring some revelation for that. I'd like you to jot down their name and something on the handout that's going to remind you of that particular one. And then what I want you to do this week is I want you to identify one of those with the help of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to go to that person and I want you to ask them to forgive you for not extending to them love and acceptance first rather than dealing with their fallenness. Okay, this is called relational fitness. We've got a problem in our relationships, and we want that to be different. And with the Holy Spirit and what God has provided, it can, but it can't unless you will take some action. Faith is action. By faith, Moses did something. By faith, Abraham did something. By faith, Rahab did, took action. So my hope and my prayer for each of us this week is that by faith, we will take action to what we are learning about to extend grace and mercy to others. Father, I thank you for uh, the grace and mercy you have given to me and to us. That it, it is so clear, uh, our understanding of the fact that while we were yet sinners shaking our fist in your face, not wanting to have anything to do with you, that you loved us anyway and sent your Son, that we might experience a restored and reconciled relationship with you and with others. Father, we need your help. We need the filling and the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we are broken and sinful, and those around us are as well. But Lord, it's got to be different among us. Lord, it's one thing to be out in the world and experiencing all this pain and tragedy and difficulty. I mean, it makes sense, Lord, that non-Christians would divorce and cause abuse to their kids. And, 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 and. But, Lord, it doesn't make sense that we, your kids, your little Christs, that we would be experiencing those same things. And so, Father, I welcome you to heal and mend as we ask for forgiveness and to see our lives transformed through your process of sanctification where we, by faith, begin to walk 
differently and view others differently, to see people as you see them. Lord, is first alone and secondly fallen. That's what you did for us. Lord, if you dealt with our fallenness first, you'd kill us. You'd judge us. You're out of here. Go to jail. Go directly to jail. Don't collect $200. But that's not what you did. You loved us first. Oh, Lord, might we become like you with our spouses, with our parents, our kids, our good friends, those that we work with. Oh, God, transform us. Heal us and mend us. In Jesus' name. We're going to close. If any of you um, would like some prayer, perhaps these uh, exercises, perhaps this lesson has uh, stirred some things up in you. Perhaps uh, you're recognizing your need for help. Uh, We would love an opportunity to pray with you. We're going to have some folks, if they would come up, if some of our community group leaders and uh, those who've been trained in, in ministry prayer would join us up here and be available from all ages. That would be great, men and women you could come on up that would be good and then any of you who would like to uh, have someone to talk with to pray with uh, these folks will be here and uh, we're thrilled with the opportunity to extend jesus love and healing and mending to you Um, for whatever that means maybe it has nothing to do with this talk at all maybe there's just issues going on in your life challenges decisions you need to make uh, physical healing Uh, we would love an opportunity to pray with you so Thanks for being with us. Have a great week. Live your life on purpose and focus on others' aloneness, not their fallenness. God be with you all this week.